Well, six weeks ago, we launched an online five-week series called Great Marriages Don't Just Happen. And as we wrapped up our final week, we thought it would be really great to invite the hosts of that amazing seminars that we had, Neil and Cheryl Josephson, to come to be with us in our weekend services. So wherever you are, I would love you to please welcome our good friends and ministry partners from Family Life Canada, Neil and Cheryl Josephson. Thank you. Good to hey, see you guys. Thanks. Thanks. I wish thanks. We, again, it's just, we wish we could shake hands or give you a hug or something. I don't want to hug time. him. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, man, but I don't want to hug you. Hey, Center Street, it is so great to be with you again. We love to uh, be here. We love to serve you in any way we can. And we love partnering with you. And we really love doing that great marriages don't just happen series with you. Love that series. And we want you to know about one other thing we're working on. Uh, put this date in your head, November 21st. We're trying to emphasize across Canada to invest in our marriages. Mm -hmm. uh, we're rolling out an updated uh, marriage conference called Together for Good. For that weekend, it's going to be free. And here's the vision, that 1,000 individual couples and 500 churches would host this event, would participate in this, and invest in their marriages. And honestly, folks, if we could do this coast to coast, we could move the needle on marriage in this whole country. So that's our vision. Be part of it. Check it out, familylifecanada.com. But we got more important things to do, and that's we want to speak today about the most important relationship tool that exists, not just for marriages. This tool restores relationships, builds healthy relationships at work, in your school, among your friends, wherever you might be. In fact, I would say this. Nothing correlates stronger to the health of your relationships than the thing we're going to talk about today, and that's forgiveness. Would you join us in a word of prayer? God, we need you. We ask you to inhabit these moments and these words and guide us into truth. Show us your love, your grace, and shape us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. So our text this morning is Matthew 18, and the context for this is found in verse 20, uh, verse 21, actually, when Peter comes to Jesus and he asks this question, he said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive? Up to seven times? Now, human nature tells us that this isn't a random question, right? He probably no, has something no. very specific in mind. How long, how many <laughs> times do I have to forgive my brother, my neighbor, my wife, my kids, the other disciples? Right. How many times? <laughs> Seven times? And Peter probably thought he was being super generous mm -hmm. because the rabbis of the day taught that you had to forgive three times. So Peter doubles it, adds one for good measure, and says, seven times, Lord, is that enough? On the eighth, can I get even? Is that <laughs> when it's payback time? Now, you know, maybe we read it that way because, because we raised two sons. And, and I don't know about your kids, but once in a while, our boys got in a little bit of friction. I don't know all you parents out there. Anybody can relate to that? Probably just us. Yeah, maybe we were just bad parents. Actually, we're joking. This is what happens. At any rate, they had a little friction, and they were in the other room, and they were playing, and everything was fine and, until something wasn't fine. And I remember our little son, Brady, our youngest son, Brady, he was about four or five at the time, comes into the room, and he's through his tears. He's trying to complain that, oh, my brother Ben did this, or something was going wrong, and I don't know. I thought this is a teachable moment. So I said to Brady, you know, your brother Ben, he loves you. I'm sure he didn't mean to hurt you. The Bible says we should forgive Ben. And through his four-year-old tears, he says to us, 
my Bible says Ben should get a spanking. <laughs> now, just to be clear, this was decades ago when spanking was still a thing. But it does make a point, the doesn't point it? The point is, this is where he was coming from. We're and, all wired that and, way. And we're wired this way. And, and we think that there should be justice and we want payback. And, and, and Jesus' response must have really bummed Peter out. Because I think he was just saying, can I have permission to punch John? And, and Jesus said, no, it doesn't matter how many times, 77 times. And I just want to pause here. That number 77 isn't random. I, I think they would have been thinking about this verse. It comes from Genesis chapter 4, and in Hebrew circles it's called the law of Lamech. And here's the verse. Uh, Lamech wrote this. He said, I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for hitting me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's revenge is 77-fold. I mean, Lamech is bragging about himself. Like, I'm the baddest man. Lamech is warning people, if you mess with me, not only will I pay you back, I will multiply by 77 times. So Jesus and his hearers, I think, would be pretty familiar yeah. with this number 77 and what it meant. That's the law of Lamech, but Jesus taught a new law. Mm -hmm. So let's go to the text and let's read it through, beginning in verse 23. So Peter's asked the question. Jesus said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And then he teaches this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king hmm. who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlements, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he wasn't able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Great, great parable. Let's, let's lean into that a little bit. Okay, so right off the top, note this. The text starts out, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is like... Now, that wasn't Peter's question. He didn't say, Jesus, what's the kingdom mm -hmm. of heaven? Like he said, can I forgive? How many times do I have to forgive? And Jesus doesn't come back with forgiveness is like. He takes it to another level. He puts forgiveness in the right context. Forgiveness is part of the kingdom of heaven. And you know that the kingdom of heaven is a very popular topic, a very uh, common topic that Jesus teaches to. You've just been doing a series here at Center Street. Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like. Well, that's what we're going to talk again. And, and you know, because of the series, that the kingdom of heaven isn't just, you know, far away and in eternity. Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, he said, the kingdom of God is here now in your midst because he was there, because he had inaugurated the kingdom. 
So when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about here and now. Mm -hmm. Now it's true, we won't fully know the kingdom of God until Christ returns a second time. But Jesus on his life, death, ministry, resurrection, he brought the kingdom of heaven to earth and he's teaching us what it's like to live in that kingdom. And he does it over and over and over again. Comes at it from so many angles. He spent a lot of time talking about it. Frederick Buechner is one of our favorite authors. Uh, (laughs) So favorite, in fact, that we named our dog Frederick. Um, We meant well. uh, I actually think Dr. Buechner would be quite pleased to have a (laughs) multi-shih tzu named after him. But he wrote this. He says, Jesus, when he's talking about the kingdom, he heaps parable upon parable like a madman. He tries shouting it. He tries Mm. whispering it. The kingdom of God is like a treasure. It's like a pearl. It's like a seed buried in the ground. It's a great feast that everyone is invited to, but nobody wants to attend. It's like a man being forgiven an exorbitant amount of money. The parables not only describe what the kingdom is like, but they describe how kingdom dwellers are to live in this kingdom. Jesus taught that wherever his people are, that's where the kingdom is. So... If we're in line at Starbucks, if we're at our kids' soccer games, if we're on the deer foot, wherever we are, if we're in Christ, the kingdom is there. The kingdom is where we are. Which is probably the first time you thought of the Deerfoot Trail as the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> but the kingdom goes with us if we're citizens of the kingdom. So Cheryl and I have been praying over this yeah. text and reading it and meditating on it. And three things seem really important for us to talk about today and to share with you today and for us all to reflect on and respond to. And the first one's this. The king's heart is to forgive. The king's heart is to forgive. Now back to the text. We read in verse 23 that the king is settling accounts and a servant comes in front of him who owes 10,000 bags of gold. It's about 165,000 years wages. Okay, like that's a ridiculous amount of money. The text says in verse 25 that the servant didn't have the means to repay. Boy, that's an understatement. So the king says, well, we'll do all we can. We'll take everything that you do have, including your family. But the man pleads for time to repay. And the text says in verse 27 that the king had or felt compassion. Now, other translations might say that he felt sorry for him or felt he felt pity for him. But the point is this, that the focus is on the heart of the king. The king doesn't make a financial decision like I might as well forget it. I'll never get it back. He makes a heart decision. Mm. The king is moved by compassion towards this person. Now, let me, let's just dig a little deeper. Earlier in the book of Matthew, in chapter 9, it says Jesus was moving throughout the cities and the kingdoms, uh, pardon me, the cities and the villages, and he's healing every disease and he's teaching about the kingdom. And in chapter 9, verse 36, it says this, Jesus had compassion on them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. Now, friends, we live in a time, we live in a city, We live in a church. Maybe you live in a family that's dispirited Mm -hmm. and discouraged and distressed. The good news today is this. Jesus sees us right where we are and he has compassion on us. And the good news of this parable is that it's the king's nature to be compassionate. This wasn't a one of, this wasn't a, a spur of the moment thing. It wasn't a mood of the king. This is who the king is. He is compassionate His heart is mercy and his desire is to forgive. Mm, That's so good. That's the first point. The second point we want to talk to you about is that the king also then expects his people to forgive. 
As the parable unfolds, the servant, forgiven a debt of 165,000 years of wages, somebody figured it out, it's approximately $8 billion in our current economy. So this man goes out, shakes down a fellow servant for 100 days wages. The other servants observing this are outraged. I'm outraged when I read this text. Are you Me not? Too. And they go to the king. And verse 34 says this, the king is moved to anger. Now, don't miss this. When the servant was lost in debt and on his knees begging to the king, the king was moved to compassion. But when the servant was unforgiving, choking his fellow servant, the king was moved to anger. It wasn't his debt that doomed him. Mm. It wasn't his inability to pay. It was his, uh, his inability to forgive or his unwillingness yeah. to forgive as the king had just forgiven him. So the king turns him over to be jailed and tortured until the debt is repaid, which against 165,000 years of wages means forever. Yeah. And then Jesus wraps up the parable about forgiveness saying this, verse 35. And this is what my heavenly father will do to you if you do not forgive a brother or sister from the heart. Mm. That's pretty intense. I kind of like to skip over that part of the parable, to be honest. Yeah. But, and I can yeah. just picture Jesus' gaze swinging over to Peter <laughs> yeah. as he says that part. And, and I, I can only imagine what's in Peter's head. But, oh, my goodness, why did I ask that question? Yeah, Peter, what were you really thinking? Yeah. Oh, man, that's sobering, isn't it? But the parable's clear. The king's heart is to forgive. And the king expects his people to do the same. If we're going to live in the kingdom, yeah. the kingdom of heaven, it's a forgiving kingdom. And that's what he expects from us. But this is really, really difficult. See, we live in a, a culture, we live in a world that's a lot more like the law of Lamech mm -hmm. than it is the forgiving kingdom, right? We take a number. We never forget. We get even. We destroy people that have hurt us. Uh, it's an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. My we, Bible says Ben should get a spanking. Exactly. <laughs> it's mutually assured destruction. This is sort of the culture that's around us. And in the midst of that, we are called to live as citizens of a different kingdom, mm -hmm. the kingdom of forgiveness. Now, Neil and I, in our work with Family Life Canada, have had the privilege of having front row seats in probably hundreds maybe yeah. even at this point, thousands of marriages. And in some cases, it's more like a ringside seat, but we've had the chance to, to, to hear their stories. Yeah. And we've accumulated a lot of data. We've tried to kind of see some patterns in all of these stories that we've had the privilege of learning. And here's one thing we've observed. The marriages that are practicing forgiveness are growing and healthy. And the marriages that don't, mm. aren't. Before Neil and I came to Family Life Canada, we were marriage pastors at a church in California. We're Canadians, but we took a little side turn for a few years and were serving in California. And as we were moving in, we met our neighbors. We were standing one day in their, in their kitchen. In the kitchen, yeah. Mm -hmm. And talking, and we, I said, well, so what do you guys do? And they said, well, we're lawyers. And I said, oh, well, what kind of law do you practice? We're divorce lawyers. And we said, oh, that's awesome. We're marriage <laughs> pastors and we're taking you down. That was so great. We used to, they became good friends and actually got to know them yeah, pretty good. Did. And we always, we used to joke like, hey, you come to our street and, you know, we'll help you one way or another, right? Of Either course, way. we wanted to save marriages. But you know what? So did they. We asked them about yeah. that. Yeah. We, well, we asked them one day, so what's a common denominator among all of the couples that you are walking through divorce? And they said, here's this. Most couples wait too long. Yep. They accumulate too much stuff. The pile is too high. The herd is too, high, too big. It goes too far back. 
There's too much to forgive and most people can't do it. That was so interesting. We never forgot that. We've never forgotten that conversation. And we've watched, sadly, that being borne out in so many of the couples that we know and so many couples that we work with. In fact, we've concluded this. Couples that break up, even more than falling out of love, they've fallen out of forgiveness. They've forgotten how to forgive. Or the gap between when something's gone wrong and when they address it grows to be too long until finally they're just overwhelmed. They've fallen out of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And face it, there's, there's a lot to forgive in marriage. I'm not minimizing that. Even the best marriage has a lot to forgive. I'm going to tell you one little story. So when we lived in California, uh, it was super hot where we were. And uh, like in the summer, it would get like 40 degrees for weeks at a time. So this one Sunday, we were going to church and it had been super hot, I think even up to like 45. But this day was cooler. It was like 39 and we were getting in the car. We were going to church. And I said to Neil, I said, I'm so hot. To which Neil replied, not as hot as you used to be. Yeah. I, we can hear yeah. you groaning yeah. out there, I wherever you all are. All over the city, there are groans. But here's the deal: <laughs> I'm I'm kind of hurt because who do you think I am that I would say that? Here's this is a good communication story too because here's what I heard her say: I heard her say it's so hot, and I said it's not as hot as it used to be. Mm. And fortunately, we were able to iron it out because when I. Uh, Cheryl whipped her head over and said, what did you say? And so then I got to be able to explain myself. And, and I'm still here I today to tell the story. Believe him and forgive him. Now, that's silly, silly yeah. little thing. But over 42 years of marriage, we've actually had to forgive each other. For some big some, stuff, too. Some pretty mm-hmm. big stuff, some pretty significant stuff. Mm-hmm. The series that we just wrapped up, Great Marriages Don't Just Happen, uh, and they don't. Great marriages don't just happen. Yeah. If we want a great marriage or really a great relationship of any kind, yeah. We have to learn how to forgive. Mm -hmm. The good news is this, and this is the third thing we want to teach about this morning. In this kingdom, the king enables forgiveness. So as I said, we've had the privilege of being invited into many people's lives, uh, their intimate secrets, their shame, their pain. A couple of years ago, we sat around a table with about seven or eight couples who were from indigenous communities in Northern Ontario. And I can picture the moment still. We sat around the table and we kind of went around. Everybody shared their story, uh, their life story and their marriage story. And in almost every case, as we went around the table, either one or both of those couples had been sexually abused Mm. as a child Mm. or as an adolescent. And not only had it changed them, had changed who they were as individuals, Mm. it was affecting and it was even damaging their relationships now, their parenting, their marriages. Mm. How do you forgive that? Neil and I are also mentoring a young couple right now. They're recovering from an affair uh, that happened four years ago. And I sat across the table Mm. from this woman a couple weeks ago, tears streaming down her face. And she just looked at me and said, I I actually don't know if I can Mm. ever forgive him. And we also have a friend who's clinically depressed. She told me one time that she has suicidal thoughts every day. And every time I sit down and talk to this woman, she reminds me again of how her parents told her that they, she wasn't wanted, that she had ruined their life. Uh, and every time mm. I talk to her, she asks me the same question. How do I forgive that? And I have the same answer. I don't know. I'm not a very good counselor. I, I, I don't know. But I, but I do know this. One thing I know, that Jesus would not ask us to do something that was impossible for us to do. Mm -hmm. 
Let me say that again. Jesus would not ask us to do something that was impossible for us to do. So the conclusion that we've drawn is mm. that Jesus must help us to do what we cannot right. do on our own. So Jesus promised his disciples when he left the earth that he would leave them with the Holy Spirit, the enabler, to help them live as Christ followers, to help them be the kingdom wherever they were. Mm. And through the Holy Spirit, Jesus lives in us today. In 2 Corinthians, Paul asks the believers, and I, I can almost hear him kind of yelling at them. He says, <laughs> do you not realize yeah. about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Yes, get a hold of that, yeah. When we invite Jesus into our lives, we have the very spirit of Jesus in us. We have the forgiver himself mm -hmm. living within us. Louis Giglio tweeted this morning about the rhythm of grace, and he says it's like breathing out and in. You breathe out, I cannot. And then you breathe in, but Jesus, you can. I can't, but you can. And this is the key to living life in this forgiving kingdom, is allowing Jesus to do through us what we can't do on our own. I want to go back to the text for a moment and, and, and just pick up on something that we might have ran right by mm -hmm. because I think it's the key to how we're enabled to live as forgiving people. And that's first, we have to receive yeah. the forgiveness. There's yeah. a little phrase, verse 26, maybe you caught it. The, the, the man who owed 10,000 bags of gold said to the king, be patient with me and I will repay you everything. See, I think the reason he went out on the street and he shook down his, his fellow servant for a very small amount of money, comparatively speaking, the reason he did that is because he did not feel forgiven. He was still living under the illusion that he could repay his debt. He was living under the burden that I have to repay my debt. I can't show mercy to this guy because I'm not experiencing mercy. I have to repay my debt. I can't be a person of grace. Mm. And the key to living in the forgiving kingdom is first of all, Mm -hmm. to receive the forgiveness. But maybe the reason we hear that passage that way and, and kind of see it from that perspective is, and I'll just speak for myself, I've done that. I've spent mm. quite a bit of time in my mm. life trying to earn my forgiveness, to pay back Jesus mm. for my forgiveness. And maybe you've done that too. We say we're forgiven and one part of our brain actually yeah. registers that we're forgiven, but we aren't living into it. We aren't experiencing the fullness and the freedom of this forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> if we can wrap our heads around it, yeah. if we can let it sink down, sink down deep into who we are, the more fully we live as forgiven people ourselves, the more we are able to live as forgiving people. And can I just make this observation? I think this is an Achilles heel for some of us who've walked with Jesus for a long yeah. time. It's, you know, God's done good work in us. And, and by his grace, we're not the people we once were. You know, maybe we've gained victory over some things that enslaved us. And maybe we've experienced this out of the next thing. But friends, be careful mm. that we're so excited and so humbled and so grateful for the grace at the beginning. But later on, we start to think, mm. I'm not so bad. Maybe I don't need as much grace as I once did. And God, break our hearts again. Yeah. We only live by grace. Hey, so when we encounter the word of God, like we did today in Matthew 18, we have to respond, right? It says in the book of James, don't be a fool. Don't look in the mirror and then walk away and forget what you've seen and what you've heard. So let's talk about response. The first thing is this. If you've never come to Jesus and asked him to take your debt, to forgive your sin, ask the grace of God to cover your entire debt 
You can do that today. That's where life in the forgiving kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven, that's where it starts when we receive that gift. Mm-hmm. Peter was teaching later on. Peter who asked this question in the book of Acts. He's preaching in Acts 10 and he summarizes it this way. He says, everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness in his name. That forgiveness can be yours just like I received it by faith and mm-hmm. you can too. That's Me the too. first response if you haven't done that yet. Please, that invitation is for you today. And the second response for those of us who have received that forgiveness is to live into it in a daily basis and then extend it to other people mm. and especially extend it to the people, our nearest neighbors, yeah. the guy on the next pillow or the woman that would on be the me. next pillow, which that would, would be, be yeah. hopefully your spouse. <laughs> uh, Tim and, and Kathy Keller write in their book, The Meaning of Marriage, that nothing is more necessary in marriage mm. than the ability to forgive fully, freely, unpunishingly from the heart. A deep experience of the grace of God, a knowledge that you are a sinner saved by grace will enable the power of truth and love to work together in your marriage. And not just in your marriage, but in every relationship. We live in the real world. We're really married. Forgiveness is not easy. Mm -hmm. But if there's a how, this is it. This is how we can forgive our spouse when we've wronged each other. This is how we can forgive our kids. This is how we can forgive our parents. This Mm -hmm. is how we can forgive people in our past who've betrayed us or hurt us. We don't pretend there's no sin. We acknowledge the sin. We look it in the eye. We name it. Jesus looked out from the Mm -hmm. cross and acknowledged our sin. He looked it in the eye. He named it. And then he forgave us. And because of that, we can do, Jesus enables us to do the same, to live the same way in this forgiving kingdom. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he went on to tell this parable that describes the forgiving kingdom. And we're invited to live in it. We enter that kingdom by receiving the grace and the forgiveness of the king. We live in that kingdom by daily confessing our sin and receiving that grace daily. Friends, get this. When we stop needing grace, mm-hmm. it won't be long till we stop giving grace. Yeah. We need to live daily. And then the third thing, we grow the kingdom. We expand this kingdom on earth when we offer the same grace and forgiveness that we've received to one another. In this church, with your friends, in your family, and in your marriage. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of heaven is like a forgiving king. Let's live that way. Let's live for him and with him. Would you pray with us? Mm -hmm. God in heaven, forgiving king, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel, the good news that your grace is sufficient to cover all our debt. Help us to live freely and fully into that. Uh, We confess our sin, but we also confess that we've taken your grace lightly sometimes that we haven't extended that grace to others. And would you come to us through your holy word today and change our hearts that we might be men and women who live freely in the forgiving kingdom today and tomorrow and all the days of our life. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.